Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Good morning. What a beautiful time we've had so far. What a beautiful service. Singing has been wonderful. Fantastic. We have all been blessed. And thank you visitors for being with us. Thank you friends. Thank you, church family. Thank you for all of the wonderful things that have happened so far. Have you suffered a life traumatic event lately? Perhaps you have lost someone close to you, a good friend or a family member. Perhaps you've had a health scare recently. I just got back from a week-long trip, uh, a family reunion, and when you have a grandma and grandpa that had 15 children, four sets of twins, you have to uh, schedule them for about three or four days. And uh, I happened to talk to one of my cousins. Believe it or not, I have 69 first cousins just to let you know, on one side. And uh, one of the many I talked to had suffered a health scare, spent several days in the hospital, and they still were not able to determine the cause. But it was enough to shake her up a little bit. It was enough to get her to see how short life is. Enough to get her to see what really matters in life. So what about you? Is there something happened to you recently that's caused you to sit up and take notice? Maybe it's God working through the convicting word. Maybe it's some weakness that he's been steadily day after day trying to get your attention. Some type of weakness that he knows you need to clear off and to clear up. Or maybe even some sin problem in your life. But perhaps it's caused you to consider confession of sin. What do I mean by confession? Well, in its simplest terms, confession simply means the recognition and the acknowledgement that you or I have disobeyed God's law. That's really how simple it is. I think it's John that tells us that sin is a transgression of God's law. And when we do violate God's law, we cannot minimize it at all. Sin is that ugly. Sin is that horrific. And so that leads us to confession. Quite like David did when he sinned with Bathsheba. The effects of that one sin affected so many For generations to come, one sin, that's all it took. But David rightly said this in Psalms 51. In verse 3 he says this, For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. 
David recognized, yes, he committed sin against Bathsheba, but first and foremost, it was a violation of God's law. He sinned against God, and that's how we need to look at it. When we sin, we always want to try to minimize it a little bit and make it a little bit more prettier than what it really is. But it's not. We are sinning against God and God alone. So confession is a plea for mercy, a cry out to God for help. It's coming before the throne of grace to receive mercy in time of need. Hebrews 4, verse 16. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Brother Mike. It is the intense desire to be cleansed from sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says it like this. For godly sorrow produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly sorrow produces death. The world would have you believe one thing. God wants you to believe another. And when it's godly sorrow, when you have that heartache with sorrow, yearning to be at peace with God your Father without resistance, because we resist a lot of things in life. We shake our fists and sometimes don't even realize it. It's that heartache with sorrow, yearning to be at peace with God our Father, without resistance, without resentment, willing to do whatever Jesus asks of us to do to take care of the problem. And that would leave David to say this in the same Psalms 51, verse 16. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. If that was the way to receive forgiveness of sins, that would have been the approach that David would have taken. But he says, but you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God, listen folks, is simply this, and it's pretty clear. Are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. That is the essence of confession of sin. But does it, does it describe you? Have you experienced something quite like that? I'd like for us now to turn to Daniel. Daniel chapter 9, because if you want to know what it looks like to confess sin, here is a powerful picture that we're going to read in Daniel chapter 9. A powerful picture indeed to illustrate what it looks like to confess sin. We have here in chapter 9 of the book of Daniel, it opens up by telling us this is the first year of the new Medo-Persian Empire. The Babylon, the Babylonians have been defeated. They have fallen. Now Daniel recognized something beautiful. Like we recognize something beautiful from the promises of God, Daniel recognized another promise as well. And that is Jeremiah's prophecy that it was coming to fulfillment. 
And what was that prophecy? Jeremiah prophesied that it would be 70 years until the end of Jerusalem's desolations. Approximately 68 years have gone by since the Babylonians first invaded Judah. This is the occasion by which we find ourselves in Daniel chapter 9. And there's a reason why Daniel offers a prayer confession. It's a beautiful prayer. Let's read it together. And starting in verse 3. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking Him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. This shows us the great urgency and the great intensity of Daniel. The earnestness by which he's approaching this. Notice it says, He sets his face. He turns his face towards God. This is serious. It's a moment that is critical in his life. Just as you and I must understand just how critical it is to confess our sins. Daniel says that I sought God by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. How oh, was going? Well, what is sackcloth and ashes? What do you do? Just put a bag over your head and cover yourself with ashes? What is all that about? Well, it's a Hebrew custom that shows how humble you are before God. That's it in a nutshell. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? How often have we come to God half-heartedly with half-hearted effort and not realizing who our sovereign God is? Daniel does. I prayed in verse 4 to the Lord my God and made confession saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Daniel confesses at the beginning, how great God is. How awesome He is. Because God keeps His covenant. God keeps His promises. God loves those who love Him and keep His commandments. Steadfast love. Underline that word. Steadfast love. He never wavers, does He? We can always depend on God. Starting in verse 5, but notice that there's a problem that Daniel sorely needs to express. And it's very simple. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. Now that right there is a, is a lot right off the bat. Now, for some of us, that might be the all-in-all all prayer that we would offer to God. But Daniel's just beginning. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us... Open shame as it is this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, to all Israel, those who are near, those who are far away, and all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery they have committed against you. 
Verse 8. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame. To our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that were written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. Remember those blessings and cursings in Deuteronomy? That's what Daniel is talking about. We deserve it. We deserve even more punishment. Verse 12, He has confirmed His words which He spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. Now here's one verse that really to me just flabbergasted me. Listen to it, verse 13. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet, listen to it, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. We're talking about Daniel, including himself here. Daniel, who was faithful and righteous. And yet, he says, all of these calamities have been done because we have sinned, and yet we still have not turned to your favor, to your grace, to your mercy, and turned away from our sin. Kind of stunning rebuke. Therefore, verse 14, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done. And we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself as it is this day, we have sinned. We have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of our sins, for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem, and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy and for your own sake, O Lord, Make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. Oh, my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in a city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. Oh, Lord, hear. 
Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. Oh, my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Now, that's confession of sin. When I first read this, I was just blown away. And think of all the really mealy prayers of confession that I've done and uttered towards God. I wonder how satisfactory they were. Daniel, and about outset, observes their problem. We have sinned. We have done wrong. We have acted wickedly. We have rebelled. We have turned aside from your commandments. We have not upheld our end of the covenant. We have not listened to your prophets. We deserve all of what has happened to us. Why? Because as Daniel says, because you are righteous. Because of your steadfast love. We deserve open shame, Daniel says, because we have sinned against you. Have you noticed how many times Daniel used we, our, and us? I counted them. Now you may go through and count them yourself. I counted at least 20 times. He includes himself that have sinned against God. Mercy and forgiveness, he says, belongs to God. Why? Because we have rebelled and have not obeyed his voice. He says, everyone have sinned and transgressed and turned aside and refused to obey your voice. The curses of the covenant and agreement that we had in Deuteronomy rightly fall upon us because of our sins. You see, God then has faithfully kept his word because of the calamities that is bestowed upon us. But even in this disaster that they were presently living in, Daniel says, we haven't entreated God's favor by turning from our sins. Just haven't done it. Haven't given attention to your truth. God was righteous in all his works against us because we have sinned because we have not obeyed his voice I don't know about you but that really makes me sit up and take notice of my relationship with God did you notice the basis upon which Daniel asked God to forgive and restore in verses 16 through 19 he begins by noting to God that because of their own sins, the city and the people have become a byword. So Daniel pleads to God, pleads with God to act for his own sake, not on the basis of Daniel, not on the basis of their righteousness, but on your righteousness, Daniel says. Daniel pleads that for God's own honor, and for his own glory, and for his own reputation, that he would forgive and restore the people to the land. 
Second thing Daniel does is he does not plead on the basis of his own righteousness. And you remember what Isaiah says, our righteousness is as filthy rags. Well, Daniel understood that truth too. He understood his place. He understood his condition, if you will. No, we have no righteousness. There's nothing good about us. He doesn't try to justify himself. He doesn't look over there at the person and say, hey, we're not as bad as they are, right? He doesn't undermine the seriousness of these sins by going, oh, we all do it every once in a while, and it's okay. I mean, we'll get over it sooner or later. Ah, 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 right? That's not how Daniel looks at his sin and the sins of the people around him. He does not try to make the point that they are as sinful as Persia or some other group of people. He is pleading and presenting his case to God's great mercy. That's what I find so enlightening. Not on the basis of their righteousness, but on God's righteousness. Making a strong confession of sins like David or like Daniel, we would never want to look at ourselves and say, hey, we deserve grace. Not at all. It's only by God's mercy that we petition anything from God. Verse 19, Daniel again declares to God to hear, to act, to forgive for his own sake. It's an understanding of who we are before God. We ask God to act for His glory and goodness, not for our glory or goodness. We are nothing and God is everything. That's Daniel's conclusion. All we do, Daniel looks over here, he sees that promise by the prophet. It says the 70 years about up and all Daniel sees is how broken and sinful a people they have become. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. Well, there's some good news. Let's start in verse 20. In verse 20 of Daniel chapter 9. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, or an angel, a man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, Oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas, listen to that. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out. Isn't that powerful? At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. 
I just think this is such a powerful statement about prayer and confession of sin. It's stunning to me that he says in verse 23, at the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word when I have come to tell you, you are greatly loved. Three great things that we grasp from this declaration. First and foremost, God hears prayers. God hears your pleas when you confess your sins. Secondly, and this is an amazing point to me, God can choose to answer prayer quickly. You know, as preachers, we're so rarely talking about more than Sometimes it could be a while before your prayers get answered and you have to wait, you have to patiently wait. But in this case, God heard the pleas and at the very beginning of Daniel's prayer, God says, a word went out. God is great. God is sovereign and can choose to answer prayers quickly. And if you need to come forward tonight or this morning to confess your sins, you better believe. Well, you can wait till the night too. It doesn't matter to me. I just know if you need to confess your sins, you need to do it. And the promise here is that He hears your prayers and He will forgive you immediately. You don't need to wait. Third, it says God, Daniel is greatly loved by God. Why did it say that? You are greatly loved by God. And I thought about this for a moment while I was coming up with this prayer. Well, Daniel in his prayer exposes by loving God and confessing the sin is the heart that is what God loves. God is not looking for perfect people. He's looking for confessing people. God is looking for people who care about the glory and honor of God. And understand their spiritual deficiency. And they need to trust in Him and Him alone. God loves those who are truly sorrowful and confessing their sins. Humble yourself before the Lord and He will exalt you in due time. James 4 verse 10. Amen? That is what Daniel chapter 9 concludes with. What a confession, right? Do you need to confess uh, some sin in your life? Perhaps this morning's lesson has jogged your memory of some sin in your life. Sometimes we need close brothers and sisters and elders and deacons to come along our side and lovingly wrap our arms around you and say, hey, you're not walking right with God. Your walk as a disciple is not where it needs to be. Iron sharpens iron, right? And sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need to be reminded by the promises of God. Amen? That God loves us dearly by sending His Son. By the fact that God has promised if we turn to Him, 
if we turn to Jesus, if we turn to him for our Lord, as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that he is willing and able to forgive us of our sins. Just like the reading. Thank you, Mark, for that fine reading this morning. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, amen, his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we do what? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from what? Just a few of our unrighteousness? No, he says all. I love that part. All unrighteousness. This is what we need to do. God can use and does use any number of ways to get our attention. Perhaps he's got your attention this morning. Perhaps there's some need that you need to address. Perhaps you need to confess your sins before him. All you need to do is trust in him. Trust that God knows and has your back and loves you dearly, like he said to Daniel. And all you need to do is come forward, sit on these front pews, and confess your sins before God. And guess what? Immediately, he will forgive you. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. Won't you come as we stand and sing this song? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.